Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by Rev. Bright Nkrumah, the senior pastor at the Kodesh Family Church, Bronx North. He is an anointed pastor and teacher of the Word of God, affecting many lives. Now, get ready to be transformed by this message. Today, we want to continue our message on Davidic principles of success. David principles of success. Hallelujah. We've been talking about so many principles and today we want to continue on principle number 13. Say the principle of allowing God to work things out. We are learning from David. David lived by certain principles, and he was known as one of the greatest kings of Israel. Hallelujah. David is known as one of the greatest kings that ever lived. Amen. Amen. And we are learning about some of the principles that guided him into these successes and these great things that are were accomplished by David. Amen. Amen. So the next principle we are learning about is the principle of allowing God to work things out. This is one of the principles that guided David. 1 Samuel chapter 26 and verse 9. 1 Samuel 26 and verse 9. It says, And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Hallelujah. Now we know that David was destined to be the king of Israel. He was the next king of Israel. And Saul was the current king. Hallelujah. But here we see how Saul was pursuing after David and there was an opportunity for David to have killed Saul or at least one of his soldiers to have killed Saul. And he said, destroy him not. Don't kill him because no one can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. David was not prepared to enter into the kinship with guilt. Hallelujah. So here David said something that we all should learn from. This is a passage that reveals David's inner thoughts. Hallelujah. He said, even though King Saul is fighting against me, I will not kill him myself. I will not kill him myself. But David wasn't stupid. David knew that as long as Saul was the king, he would never be a king. So if this was an opportunity for Saul to leave the kingship, this was it, to have killed him. Saul knew that, David knew that Saul had to die before the prophecies concerning his kingship will come to pass. However, he wasn't going to be the person that was going to kill Saul. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 26 and verse 11, he said, The Lord forbid 
that I should stretch forth my hand against laws, the Lord's anointed. He says, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. Here was Saul sleeping and a great opportunity for David to have killed him. Because Saul has become David's enemy. Saul wants to kill David. And anyone who wants to kill you becomes your enemy. It's either you kill him or he kills you. And here was an opportunity for Saul to die. So David will become a king. To finish him. He would have done two things. Finish him and he will be free. And then he will be a king. Hallelujah. The prophecy will come true. Amen. But he gave other options about how the prophecy concerning his kingship should happen. He was looking for all other options that will not involve him shedding blood. Amen. He wanted every other option that would be the will of God without him having to interfere. Amen. There was no way David could become a king if Saul was still on the throne. So here are David's three options that he considered concerning the dream of the kingship and the freedom that he would have obtained. 1 Samuel 26 verse 10. Are you following the story? 1 Samuel 26 verse 10. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. Or his day shall come to die. Or he shall descend into battle and perish. Let any of these happen. First he said, the Lord will strike Saul down supernaturally and let Saul die. Or another possibility that Saul would eventually die naturally. And here is a man, if that is an option, he was willing to wait for Saul to die naturally. If Saul had to become old and die as an old man, he was willing to wait, not ready to interfere with the affairs of God. Sometimes we, 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 we help God when we don't have to. God does not need your help. You cannot help God. Amen. Then he gave the third possibility that the king could die in a battle. That he would be killed in a battle. That he would go to war and die. Now it is interesting to note that the Lord worked out the plan for David's kingship through the third option. Saul went to battle and he was killed in a war. Amen. So the point that we are making here is that David did not get involved in the implementation of God's master plan. He left it to God and kept his hands clean. Hallelujah. Everyone could see that God was doing his own thing. And David did not interfere. You could see clearly that what was going on was the processes of God. David always shied away from involving himself 
when it came to Saul leaving the throne. Even though it was imminent that Saul leaves the throne, if David was going to become a king. Hallelujah. See, when you get involved and try to help God, you create Ishmael's who will later become your Isaacs. When Abraham decided, Sarah decided to help God to fulfill the plans and the promises of God, Ishmael was created. And this Ishmael rose up to torment the Isaac that God gave to Abraham. Whenever we interfere with God's plans, we create Ishmaels that come to interfere with our Isaacs. Amen. Are you listening to me? Moses said something in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. He said, unto the people, this is when they came to the Red Sea where they saw the enemy of Egypt, Pharaoh and his army, coming after them. And they may have thought of all sorts of things that they could do. But Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still. Sometimes when it comes to the things of God, you need to just stand still. He says, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you shall see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you. Hallelujah. Say, the Lord shall fight for me. Say, the Lord shall fight for me. You need to learn to stand still. When it comes to the enemy, you need to learn to stand still. And know that the Lord shall fight for you. Hallelujah. He said, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Amen. We interfere with God's affairs so much. And sometimes it postpones God. It moves him away from fulfilling the promise. Hallelujah. You find a young lady who notices a young man. And the young man does something just nice to you. And then suddenly you are hearing wedding bells. You are hearing marriage. You are hearing all kinds of things. Because he asked if you need a ride home. That's all. And why did he why did he ask me for a ride home? Amen. There is no need to throw yourself at a man for him to notice you. There is no need. Leave it in the hands of God. There was a couple after four years of marriage, after four years of being in the marriage, the man told his wife. He says, you force yourself on me. Look at this. He says, I never even had a chance to think about it properly. By the time I realized, I was standing there and saying, I do. By the time I realized, you bought your wedding gown, you have made arrangements for the place, you have done all this. He says, what is all of this? And then I had to move along. You see, perhaps God would have brought this man into your life anyhow. But now he has the opportunity to talk like this. And perhaps he needs you more than you need him. 
Are you listening to me? You see, as long as you interfere with the affairs of God, you will never see the hand of God more. Amen. It is time to allow God to work things out himself. Therefore, keep your hands out and keep your hands clean. Amen. Hallelujah. Whenever you interfere with that, you know, Joseph had so many opportunities that you could have interfered with God's plans for his life. Are you listening? Joseph had so many opportunities. He could have, he could have, I mean, he could have slept with Potiphar's wife easily and no one would have known Potiphar's wife was a powerful woman. He, she would have silenced all the servants in the house. In fact, she would have kicked them all out. Take a break. I've given you a day off. Everyone go home except Joseph. And David would have said, the dreams that I have concerning my life to become a king one day, to become a head of my family and all of this, one night with this woman alone, instead of going to prison, I will just, I mean, no one will know. Are you listening? David could have fasted and prayed against going to prison. Fasting and praying against going to prison. But he didn't know that that is all part of God's plan. It was all God's plan. And anytime we interfere with the plans of God, it puts off the plans that he has concerning us. Is somebody listening to me? Yeah. Anytime we interfere. Hallelujah. The next principle Principle number 14 is a principle of not allowing rebels into your life. Not allowing rebels into your life. Say rebels. One of the interesting events of David's life was when he put to death the man who claimed to have killed Saul in a battle. The man killed David's enemy. And if someone came to you and said, the man that has been chasing you, wanting your life ended, want to kill you, end your kinship, your dream, and every, I have killed him. I have eliminated him for you. Won't you celebrate? Won't you be happy? Now look at 2 Samuel chapter 1. Let's read from verse 14. Do you have the New Living Translation? 2 Samuel chapter 1. And verse 14. Look at this. It says, So here is a man who was in the camp of Saul. He was Saul's soldier. Are you listening? He was Saul's soldier, and or he was in the army of Israel, which was Saul's army, and they were the ones that were fighting David. Okay, and this man came across Saul in a battle as they were pursuing David, and he found Saul wounded. He found Saul wounded. This old time also, they are fighting the Philistines, and Saul didn't want the Philistines to kill him, and he was wounded and in pain, so he told this servant, 
this soldier to kill him and finish him. And he pulled his own sword and then killed King Saul. So he finished him. And so now he ran away from the camp of Israel and came to David's camp to join David. Because now he's going to be a hero when he comes to David's camp. Are you listening? He's going to be a hero. I want you to remember the principle that we are learning here. The principle of not allowing rebels into your life. Not allowing rebels into your life. So this guy comes to David and announces to David that I have finished King Saul. And now I am yours. I am in your camp. I have left him. I have left that place. I have left that camp. And I have joined this camp. And David's question was, why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? Why were you not afraid? You know, David could not understand how a person can kill a servant of God, an anointed man of God. David could not understand how someone can backbite. How can someone sit in his or her house or an apartment and insult an anointed man of God? He says, why were you not afraid? Why? How? He couldn't understand. What, what was going on in your mind? This is the Lord's anointed. Why were you not afraid to kill him? Amen. David asked, the next one, then David said to one of his men, kill him, kill him, kill him. He said, finish with him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. He thrust his sword quickly and killed him. I'm talking about not allowing rebels into your camp or into your life. He says, you have condemned yourself by killing the Lord's anointed by killing your leader, you have condemned yourself. No matter what the leader did, no matter what the Lord's anointed did, no matter what position he placed himself, if you have taken it upon yourself to kill a chosen servant of God, you have condemned yourself. He says you have condemned yourself. So David said, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Why were you not afraid? How? You see, people sit in their homes and they talk about servants of God. I want you to understand that God chose Moses. But God saw how Moses went to marry an Ethiopian woman. When the Lord had given instructions, did you, do you think God did not know that there will be a time that his chosen servant will marry an Ethiopian man? Then he's not a sovereign God that knows the end from the beginning. But he knew. And he chose him. Don't you think that God knew that there will be a time that Aaron will lead the people to sing and dance before the golden cow? God knew. But he chose David, he chose Aaron to be Moses' assistant. Were you not afraid to talk about the man of God? Were you not afraid? You are telling God that he has made a mistake by choosing this person. Amen. Is somebody listening to me? 
He says, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Is there another verse? Then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan. This is how David saw Saul. Amen. No matter how Saul pursued against him and chased after him, he always saw Saul as God's anointed and never was prepared to lift up his hand against him. Amen. Amen. Here is another remarkable event that David executed the man who killed King um, Ishbosheth, Saul's son. Look at First Samuel, I guess Second Samuel chapter four, and verse number ten. Well, let's read from verse seven in the New Living Translation. Second Samuel chapter four and verse seven. Okay, so this Ishbosheth was an unfortunate son of Saul, who was being cared for by a babysitter, okay? And then there was war. And as the people, the enemy was coming, everyone was running away. So this babysitter picked up Ishbosheth because she was the one that was caring for him. She picked him up, and unfortunately, the boy slipped out of his hand and fell and broke his legs and became a cripple. Quite unfortunate story. Now, after Saul was dead, these two guys who were even foreigners from by birth, they are foreigners who have come to live with the Benjamites. They felt that it was an opportunity to show David that we are on your side if we kill anyone that has anything to do with Saul. So these two guys, they went into the house. Listen, listen to this. They went into the house where they found Ishbosheth, Saul's son. Are you listening? And they found him sleeping on his bed. The guy is a cripple, and he's sleeping. They found him sleeping on his bed. I mean, how can you find a weak man? Even if he was a soldier, strong soldier, and he's sleeping, okay, he has put himself in some weak position. But the guy is crippled. He can't even run. And they found him sleeping in his bed in his own house. They struck and killed him and cut off his head. Then taking his head with them, they fled across the Jordan Valley through the night, defecting from the camp of Israel. When they arrived at Hebron, they presented Ishbosheth's head to David. And look at the boldness. Look! They exclaimed to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of your enemy, Saul, who tried to kill you. You see, these guys, they were in the camp of Israel. Today, the Lord has given my Lord the king. They are addressing David as the Lord the king. Today, the Lord has given my Lord the king revenge on Saul and his entire family. We have finished them. This was the last one there. We have finished them. 
But David said to these two guys, their names were Recap and Bana. Bana is a bad man. Don't be a Recap. Don't be a Bana. And don't welcome Recaps and Banners into your life. Are you listening? The Lord who saved me from all my enemies is my witness. Are you, this is David. He says, the Lord who has saved me all these years from my enemies is my witness. Someone once told me, he says, you don't know who you are coming to. <laughs> this is David. He says, you don't know. You don't know me. I am a man with this principle that I don't welcome rebels in my camp. He says, someone once told me, Saul is dead, thinking that he was bringing me good news. <laughs> he said he thought he was bringing me good news by coming to announce Saul's death to me. But I seized him and killed him at Ziglag. That is the reward I gave him for his news. <laughs> I hope somebody is taking a lesson from this. Don't welcome rebels into your lives. Don't entertain rebels into your life. He says, how much more should I reward evil men? Listen, listen. David is describing how evil they are. He says, how much more should I reward evil men who have killed an innocent man in his own house and in his own bed? Shouldn't I hold you responsible for his blood and rid the earth of you? So David ordered his young men once again to kill them. And they did. They cut off their heads and their feet and hung their bodies beside the pool in Hebron. Then they took Ishbosheth's head and buried it in Abner's tomb in Hebron. Say amen. You see, this is a great principle that you need high wisdom to understand. Everybody knew that King Saul's existence prevented David from fulfilling his dream of becoming a king. So the people who claimed to have killed Saul and his son Ishbosheth thought that they were bringing David some great news. Anyone who would have done anything evil to Saul would have thought that I'm bringing you great news. And that I will be a great minister in your government because I am on your side. So here is one of the greatest secrets of David's success. To eliminate those people immediately. Because David understood the principle that once a person is a king killer, he will always be a king killer. Once a person is a leader killer... He will always be a leader killer. Hallelujah. Remember that those who criticize others to you, they will criticize you to other people. You know, some of you enjoy hearing criticisms from other people. And you, you love to hear from someone who criticizes, someone who gossips, someone who brings you gossipers. You love gossipers. But one thing that you have to understand is that a gossiper is always a gossiper. A gossiper is not a gossiper per person. You, that, what I mean is that a gossiper is not a gossiper with this person, but not a gossiper 
with that person. A gossiper is a gossiper. Always a gossiper. Are you listening? David understood that once someone is a king killer, he's always a king killer. Hallelujah. Now, this is a principle that many people are not able to grasp. Many people can't grasp it. If someone gossips about you, you have to understand that they were once at peace and in the camp with the person they are gossiping about. You don't understand what I'm sharing with you. This person was with that person. They used to get along. They used to go out together. In fact, they, they used to go and sleep in each other's house. Are you listening? They were buddy buddies. They used to talk. They used to do all kinds of things together. And now they are no more. But now he's buddy buddy with you. He now comes to your house. He will also go to his house or her house. You also eat with him. He's also eating with you and doing all kinds of... And now this person is gossiping about this person to you. Let me tell you. The person is a gossiper and will always be a gossiper. Once a gossiper, always a gossiper. Or you don't understand what I'm sharing with you. Because they were close to the other person. And they are close to you now. They will become a gossiper when they are not close to you. The only reason why they are not a gossiper to you now is because, or they are not gossiping about you now, is because they are close to you. Meaning they are with you. The closeness, I'm not saying they have a relationship. They are with you. When they are not with you, they will gossip about you. You don't understand it. Let me tell you, anyone who opens his or her mouth to talk about another person to you will talk about you to another person. Always. It's a fact. And David understood that people who are disloyal in another camp, they will always be disloyal. If you want to go forward, eliminate such people from your life. Do not welcome rebels. Do not welcome people who gossip about others to you. It will not make you prosperous. It will not make you go forward. It will never give you wisdom. You don't like my message. David knew that these people would be dangerous to have around him. They had the ability to kill leaders. They were once with Saul, and they hailed praises to Saul. Today, they have come to David. One day, they will turn against David, and David understood that once a king killer, always, once a king killer, always a king killer. Amen. So people who are loyal to someone are very likely to be loyal to you also. When a person is loyal, that person is always loyal. Amen. Don't think that you are special. Never think that you are special. And that is a mistake that everyone makes. You think that you are special to this person. You think that you are special. That is why he's sharing this one between you and I. Please, please, if, it, if this goes out, please, please, can I trust you? Can I trust you? 
and you feel trusted. Can I trust you? Because this one, if it goes out, you know, I'm finished. <laughs> if it goes out, I'm finished. You see, the, he, she has told 10 people already. 10 people, the same thing. Isn't that what she told you? Isn't that what she told you? The same thing. So be careful of wicked and erratic and disloyal people. They did it to one, they will do it to you one day. Amen. David prevented his assassination by immediately eliminating traitors and rebels. Hallelujah. A person with traitorous tendencies can practice them any day, anyhow, with a new master. He can practice it. He says, I've done this before. I killed Saul. You, is not, are you not Saul's servant before? I can kill you easily. When the time comes, I can kill you easily. Me, this is my business. I can kill you. It's common in my ministry. Amen. So it is better to have few loyal people working with you than to have so many treacherous people all around you. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes people don't understand why, you know, you work with certain people. And when you think of doing something, other people, the same people come to mind. Because they are treacherous people. They are treacherous people. You're giving instructions here, and this one is undermining. Don't do it. No, we are not going to do it. No, no, no. Please, we are not going to. If she wants to, let's do it. No, no. All kinds of talking. 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 He or she will do the same thing to you. Amen. The same thing to you. David had that wisdom. Amen. The next principle, do we have time for another? The next principle is the principle of being led by the Spirit. The principle of being led by the Spirit. David had this principle of being led by the Spirit. 1 Samuel 23, verse 2. It says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord. How many of you have said, heard that before? David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. It says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Calah. Then David encouraged of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Calah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Hallelujah. So this is one of the commonest phrases that you hear in the books of First and Second Samuel, David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. The principle of David inquiring of the Lord for direction is one that is very important for all of us today. Hallelujah. David defended the people of Calah, delivered them from evil. And when King Saul heard that David was in the city of the people of Calah, he decided to attack him. Now, naturally, you would have thought that the people of Caleb would have saved David from Saul. They would have protected David from Saul. But they, they delivered David. They told him. 
David, as a matter of routine, inquired of the Lord. He went and asked of the Lord. Again, you, he did not take it for granted that, oh, as I have saved them, they are going to protect me. So he inquired of the Lord. Then said David, will the men of Kela deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? You see, don't go by your natural instincts and your natural mind. You are a Christian. Hallelujah. You are a spiritual person. And everything, inquire of the Lord. Everything, ask God. Ask God, what should I do in this situation? You are thinking about it, but ask God. God will drop into your thoughts. You see, what he wants is that you acknowledge him. That he says that you lean not on your own understanding. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? God knows that you have understanding. God knows that you can analyze situations. He knows that things make sense to you. But he says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, in everything that you are doing, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge that he's involved in this. Ask him. Ask him, should I do this or should I not do it? Naturally, David would have thought that the people of Kayla would have protected him. They would have saved him. I mean, he had delivered them from the Philistines. And naturally, he would think that you would have delivered him. When you are in a midst of any situation, ask God, what should I do? Ask God, what should I do? Instead of just thinking alone about it, ask God, what should I do? And I bet you, just acknowledging him, the thing that will drop in your mind may be as though it is your own decision. It will be God guiding you. I say it will be God guiding you. Just that you acknowledge him. Now the problem that we have is when we ask God, sometimes the answer, the thing that becomes obvious to do looks like the foolish thing. Looks like the unsuccessful end. Looks like the thing that you wouldn't have done. But once you acknowledge God, do that. And stand still and see that the people that you see today, you shall see them no more ever again. Amen. Amen. This was the principle of David. Hallelujah. And finally, I don't know, we have, okay. Let's do this. The principle of having a pastor. The principle of having a pastor. Amen. The principle of having a pastor. Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 2. Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 2. It says that the king said unto Nathan the prophet. Nathan was David's pastor. This was when David felt to build a house for God. He didn't say that I have money. I am the king. I make decisions. And just let's call the minister of construction and let us build the temple for God. He says that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. 
and it came to pass that night. This is how the king, when he received David's news of his desire to build a temple for God, of course, isn't it a good thing? If you're a pastor and your church member came and says, you know, Reverend, I see how you're struggling. With, I see how we're struggling with our auditorium and I want to build a new, I don't know. Is there anyone here to receive that blessing? That one day, you see, the natural man receiving not the things of the spirit of God because they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Believe it. If it's in your heart, believe it. Amen. Young men and young women, are you here? Are you listening? So naturally, if your, your, your church member came that I, I want to build something for the Lord, you would think it's a good thing. And good pastor, he says, go ahead and do what is in your heart. The Lord is with you. And then that night, the Bible says, it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto the pastor, Nathan, saying, go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord. And it wasn't for David to build. We cannot read all of it. Do you understand? So David now inquired of his pastor. His pastor says, do this. And then he comes back and says, no, the Lord doesn't want you to build. The Lord wants your son instead to build him a temple. And David understood it. David understood the principle of having a pastor. David understood that if I have discussed it with my pastor, then every outcome of it, every advice he has, I embrace it as God's servant. I acknowledge him as an anointed servant of God. Amen. David does not hide anything from his pastor. Are you listening? So David had a pastor. He had someone who could speak into his life spiritually. Amen. If you are marrying anyone, you know, sometimes you have someone, you are finding someone to marry, and you are hiding it from your pastor. You are hiding it from your pastor. You've been talking to this person for about a year. And your pastor does not know anything about this person. Are you listening? Your pastor has no idea about this person. And you say, this is my pastor. You know, there are people who belong to the church. They are members of the church, but they don't have pastors. I'm telling you. They don't have pastors. The pastor does not know anything about them. No plan is discussed with the pastor. No, he does his own thing. I do my own thing. You know, we come to church. You know, it's not everything that, are you going to tell the pastor this one too? You look, you are a grown man. It's not everything that you have to discuss with the pastor. Does he tell you everything about himself? Do you know what is going on in his house? Even when he's traveling, does he tell you? When you are traveling, every time you tell him, every time, Reverend, I'm going to Ghana. Reverend, I'm going to this. Reverend, I'm going to the Why? Are you not a grown man? Can we not do things ourselves like a couple without having to discuss every single thing? You see, when you are, you don't, you don't, you, 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 are, you, are, you, you, 
you are, you are, you are too. I don't, I don't have the words to describe you. I don't have the words to describe you. The last time he went away, did you know? Are you listening? You see, when you are, when you don't, when you are marrying someone, and the person does not have a pastor, you are marrying a dangerous person. Man or woman. If the person does not have someone who can speak into his life or her life, you are marrying a dangerous person. If the person does not have someone who can say stop and he will stop or she will stop, go and he will go, you are marrying a dangerous person. So when you find someone and you are marrying, ask the person, who is your pastor? Who is your pastor? How much does your pastor know about you? Some of you, your pastor doesn't even know where you live. I'm preaching. So having a pastor is different from belonging to the church. People may belong to the church, but they have no shepherd over their lives. Amen. So ask your neighbor, is there anyone who can speak into your life? You see, there are many people in the church, and I have found out that there are some who want to receive my counsel. There are some who don't need my counsel. There are some who just tell you about their plans, but they don't need your counseling. They don't need your input. They don't need your advice. What they said they are going to do is what they are going to do. They just don't want you to say, I never told you. Do you see? So they come and tell you. Amen. So you, as a pastor also, you don't force your counseling on every Dick and Tom and Harry. There's, the preaching is going on. As I'm preaching, I am counseling you. I have said that if you are marrying someone and the person does not have a pastor, you are marrying a what? A dangerous person. It is wisdom. So even if you will not come and discuss your beloved with me, I've given you counseling. Free of charge. Free counseling. You didn't pay for that. Amen. Hallelujah. So look at David. You know, when you have a pastor, you welcome everything that the pastor says. You welcome it. You welcome the rebuke. You welcome the counseling. You welcome the advice. Amen. You welcome everything that he says. Hallelujah. Nathan, because David was used to talking to him and receiving counseling, here comes another situation. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. Let's read this and then we can, we can close. Second King, 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1. Verse 1. It says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city. Are you listening? There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, had sheep, cattle, a lot, the rich man. But the poor man had nothing, save one little ill lamp, baby lamp. 
baby lamb, which he had brought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him, with his children. Have you seen one of those things before? That, you know, the lamb grew up in the family. He has almost become like a family member. You see, he grew up with him and his children. He did not eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Oh, you know, there are some people, they have animals and they cherish them like children. So he says, and there came a traveler into the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own head to dress for the wayfaring man. That means the traveler. So the, tra- the rich man receives a visitor and instead of killing one of his lamb or one of his goats for the traveler, his friend, he went and took the poor man's lamb and killed it and dressed it for the man that was come to him. The next verse. And David's anger was greatly kindled. If you are king and you hear, even you, are you not angry with this rich man? David's anger was kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. Me, I will kill the man. If I don't kill him, then I'm not a king. If I don't finish this man who did this, then I'm not a king of Israel. I will settle with him. Let him know that there is a king of Israel. Justice, let it prevail. So, here and he shall restore the lamb fourfold. He says, first, he will restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. So he will restore the lamb fourfold, and when he's done, he will just finish him. And Nathan said to David, Thou art that man. You, my church member, you are that man. <laughs> you are that man. You are the man I'm talking about. That saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. So you see, he gave, God gave Saul so much, I mean David so much. He says, and Nathan said, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had not been, if that had been too little, I would have given you more. If you need it. God is telling David. He said, do you remember David took Bathsheba? Bathsheba was just one little beautiful girl that belonged to a poor soldier. And God is saying to David that you had the whole of Israel and Judah. Every woman in Israel and Judah that was single, you could have taken. And even that was not enough, I would have given you more if you had asked me. Those days life was like that too. I mean... These days, the woman, eh, you are. Uh, <laughs> All the man needed to do was go on his knees and cry for another one, and God will give you one as long as you ask. So, those days, the women were very nice. <laughs> very nice to the husbands. Because if you are not nice, you go on your knees, just pray, and God will give you more. <laughs> Life was really very. I didn't read. I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> it says, "I would moreover, I would have given you more." So David had the opportunity to have any woman. Instead, he 
his eyes went on Bathsheba, someone's poor wife, and took her. And so now his pastor comes to tell him that what you did was wrong. What you did was wrong. Some of you, the, 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 the fact that your pastor has told you what you did was wrong, who is he to tell me that what I did is wrong? Does he know what is happening in my home? And then, oh. And that will be the end of the relationship. Pastor is taking sides. Pastor doesn't know this man. You don't know it all. It's not everything that we say. If you're a pastor, just keep on preaching and stay in your corner and leave us alone. You see? But David welcomed the counseling of his, and the rebuke of his pastor. David had a pastor. Ask your neighbor, do you have a pastor? Do you have someone who can speak into your life? Amen. There are some people who crucify their pastors because they speak into their lives. They rebuke them. They point certain things out to them. Hallelujah. May the Lord deliver us from that. David had already demonstrated that he will be obedient to the voice of the Lord. That is why his pastor also had the boldness to come to him and speak to him like that. Amen. He says, thou art the man. Thou art the man. What you have done is wrong. What you have done is wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. So David lived by these principles. And that is one, one, these are some of the things that made David a great king. May we live by the principles. The principles of not welcoming rebels into our lives. The principle of having a pastor. Hallelujah. What is the next principle? What is the other principle? The principle of being led by the Spirit. Amen. And the principle of, finally, allowing God's hand to move and not helping God. Clap your hands together for the Lord and let us bring the service to an end. Rise to your feet as we bring the service to an end. Bow your heads with me and let us pray. Father, we are grateful. We are thankful for your word. We thank you for great wisdom that you have shared with us through the principles that made David a successful man, a successful king. Lord, help us that we be not hearers of your word only. But we pray, Lord, let our lives be transformed today. Let our way of thinking be changed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with all eyes closed and every head bowed, I want to pray for anyone who is here this afternoon who is not born again. You are not born again. You have not given your life to Christ. If you were to die today, you are not sure where, would you, where you would be. But the reality of heaven and hell is a fact. There is heaven and there is hell. Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. If you are here today and you don't even know what is born again, you don't even understand what is born again, Jesus says, well, unless that is done, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you are here and you are not born again, you have not given your life to Christ, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. 
I want to say a prayer with you. So if that is you, you want to give your life to Christ, wherever you are, just lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. With all eyes closed and every head bowed, you are here, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Lift up your hand and I'll pray with you. Is there anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Christ. You are watching with us on Zoom. You are fellowshipping with us on Zoom. And you want to give your life to Christ. I want you to lift up your hand and I'll pray with you also. Is there anyone who wants to give his or her life to Christ? Anyone here like that? Why don't you all bow your heads with me and join me as we say this prayer. And if you want to give your life to Christ, I want you also to join and say this prayer. And repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. I, am a I am a sinner. And I acknowledge you are the son of God. You died for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Please wash me with your blood. I welcome you into my life. As my Lord, as my master, as my savior. Please write my name in the book of life. From today, I will serve you. I will follow you. So help me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We believe you have been blessed with this powerful message. Come worship with us at the Kodesh Family Church located at 1810 Randall Avenue, Bronx, New York at 2 p.m. every Sunday. God bless you.